Welcome to the Mass Startup Podcast. This podcast explores the journeys behind some of Africa's emerging entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses. The Mass Startup Podcast profiles the most talented creators, impactful entrepreneurs, and high-performing professionals with the purpose to drive insights, learnings, and tactics to help you build what you believe in. How's it? My name is uh, Glenn, Glenn Casella. Um, I've been involved in the gaming scene for around 13, 12, 13 years now. I mm. um, started off um, as a game journalist. I would write about a lot of stories, do game reviews. I um, started really finding my stride in uh, social issues. It's always been something important to me. Um, so I was covering things around sort of racism, um, sexism within, in the game, within gaming culture, yeah. Um, and then started doing that, started writing a lot of breaking stories around sort of, you know, issues happening within the esports, like the competitive gaming scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and now after like, you know, so many years, uh, I eventually just got more directly involved within the esports and gaming space and then uh, became the co-owner of Nibble Esports. Yeah. So we're one of the, I would like to say, one of the fastest growing esports orgs um, in the country. And uh, yeah, I've been there for the last nine months now. I'm helping to build, and we're just sort of building out the vision we have for, for that. So that's probably who I am now when I'm looking at what hats I'm wearing. Can you please swap the chairs? Because I can hear oh. that's going to be a problem. <laughs> First, we had a technical issue. Now we had. This is just. <laughs> give us warm up. I did a podcast for like three years in the esports scene, so we also had. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. So, like. We have to go back, right? Like, so first of all, I didn't know, or maybe I'm ignorant, and I think maybe most people are as well, around the fact that there is a gaming scene in South Africa, right? There's an entire ecosystem of, you just said, writers, podcasters, people that are covering gaming, um, people are a part of it, people that are building sort of teams. All this stuff, yeah. for me, is just like another world. And I think I took like curiosity around it because. Um, there was uh, a kid that like I was chatting to on Twitter and he was just like um, looking for advice around building brand on Twitter and like trying to position himself like you know in that space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I really went wait like this kid really cares about this and like he cared very deeply about it and I wanted to understand like how serious is this and how deep does it go and how much more there is to learn mm-hmm. so i tweeted out this tweet and i was literally just like why isn't you know why aren't south african brands speaking to esports guys gaming guys mm-hmm. um in south africa and what followed was basically like education and hundreds and hundreds of people just going hey there is one um these brands are trying um this mm-hmm. is what's happening mm-hmm. this is and i was like oh wait Let's actually break this down, right? So, like, let's start with this, right? Mm. What would you say is the history of South Africa's um, gaming industry? And, like, how far back does it go? Mm. And what's happened since? So, I mean, yeah, the, the, it is a funny thing because it's this massive industry. Mm. And it's turned into such a giant industry now. I mean, if you, especially, obviously, prior to COVID when there was all the events happening as well. I mean, there's production teams. Um, there's casters, right? So for people who want to casters, are like commentators. Um, like real-life commentators playing, like capturing the, you know, what's happening in the, the different matches. Um, you get analyst desks. I mean, it's an entire industry. That's not even before you get into the game development scene as well. Mm-hmm. That's its own host of writers and artists and 3D animators and those sort of things. Um, but again, obviously, there's a history of how everything got to where it is to, to today. Um, look, I mean, gaming, gaming, especially in the SA scene, has been around, you know, like more than 30 years. Mm. Um, and obviously, that's kind of like OG, OG history. Like, I mean, I've been in it for a while, like long enough to, to you know, to know everyone. And know. 13 years is OG. <laughs> you know I mean, I mean like, I'm only turning 30. But <laughs> <laughs> I always find that interesting. Like, gaming... Like, I've seen a bunch of, like, interviews where they ask someone, hey, so how long have you been in the gaming industry? And it's like, oh, yeah, 13 years. Like, you're 27. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and that's the thing. That's how it really started. It was just, like, it was just young people wanting to do something that Mm. they love. And obviously, you would have to be young to just start those things because everybody was like, gaming is for kids. And that was very much the mindset growing up. So when everybody's starting to build these esports and these gaming scenes, you know, no one knows... 
no one knows how to begin and how to do it. They just have to do it themselves. Because mm. obviously for the adults, the adults, and I put it like that, was people that thought gaming is for kids. And I was very much the mindset. And that limited a lot of the growth starting off because people wouldn't take it very seriously. Mm. So when everyone was playing competitive games, I mean, it started off with like LANs is really sort of that esports side of things, right? And then LANs back in the day was really everybody plugged in their computer. Mm. And you'd play direct because no one had the internet speed at the time to do it like properly to play overseas or yeah. on, on, online. So you'd have friends playing together at someone's house, and that would be like cool. And it's just like this line that everybody always uses, which I love. But it's it's essentially you'd want to be the best in your in your neighborhood. Mm. But then soon after, like as things start to expand, you're like, cool, I want to be the best in the city. Mm. And then before long, it's like, how do I be the best in the country? Then I'm talking overseas. Mm. So it was kind of that growth that started to happen, like as people started to like look beyond their own like world. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so so what had happened? So you saw the sort of the scene starting to grow really slowly, being very like raw, very rough, and and like super just put together, like a really makeshift approach. Um, and, and I suppose sort of over the years, you know, as more and more people started to flux it and start to see, oh, hey, there's that big land that everybody talks about, more people started to sort of congregate to the same spaces. Mm. And I started to consolidate like all the gamers. Um, and it's still not a massive scene. I mean, even to this day, there's still a massive amount of growth. And I think there's a lot of issues that we are facing that we need to overcome to really hit a, a level of growth that, that's going to make us more sustainable and make something for full time mm. that everyone could do full time. But um yeah, and again, getting to before you obviously to get there, you have to sort of get the brands to come in. So you kind of just saw over this period of like, let's say, 30, 30 years, essentially, um, you've just seen people that did things for fun. Mm. But the thing is, as with anything, and I mean, you're also a content creator, you understand, or a creator, you understand the more you do something, the better you get at it. Yep. So this land started getting better and better and better. Now people start to do branding. People want to do brackets, like a whole tournament system. And that started to formalize. Um, and then you get like the gaming media publication as well that come in and more and more people are starting to write. And the skills and the, 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 the quality just started to increase and increase and increase mm. over time. And especially people that have been doing it for so long. Um, you know, they really started to refine their, their, their craft. Yeah. Um, and a new, new blood comes in and it kind of brings a whole new fresh perspective, new ideas, fresh things. And so just over time, and I mean, that's like the simplest way to, to, to um, kind of give you a quick history, but obviously there's so much more to it. Mm. But just over time, we just started to build a scene. Um, and we've all, a lot of people have put in a lot of time and created new things and brought down perspectives and ideas that have made this really beautiful, super rich, still small industry. Yeah. That's how I'm finding itself. So the one thing that came out was like the difference um, of actual, um, I don't know if I'd say markets within gaming industry, right? So mm. not markets, but like, so the difference between gaming versus esports. Can you please break that down? Because at the time, I thought, oh, no, this is all one mm, thing. Mm, mm. And then I realized, oh, no, like someone actually broke it down to me. They're like, hey, are you asking about gaming or esports? I was like, what do you mean by that? Yes, uh, Nick, 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 all at us. Yeah. Obviously, he comes from the game dev side. So essentially, yeah, the everybody sort of wraps everything up as gaming. Mm. Um, and more often than not now, they kind of just wrap it up around esports. And because esports is the big thing, it's the popular thing, it's like the flashy thing that everybody gravitates towards. Um, but yeah, you'd have to break it down. It's probably almost like three sections, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the esports side, which is the competitive gaming, and that's all around sort of a, comp a competitive professional player getting in front of a console or a PC or even on your phone yeah. and playing within a team or within a match and competitively through the tournaments and the rankings. And then you get teams that are, you know, that have rosters of players. Mm. So at Nibble, we have a bunch of, of, of teams um, with rosters within each. That's sort of the esports side. Mm -hmm. Then you get the gaming side. And that's the kind of one that everybody is sort of more aware of. And that's just people that play games. Um, there's nothing competitive about it per se. Obviously, you know, everybody wants to beat you know, anybody. You want to beat your friend when you play. But it's more around the, just the world of gaming and, and, and just immersing yourself um, in that world uh, of gaming. Mm. And then you still get the game dev side. Mm. And that side's massively overlooked. Um, you know, people like Nick have done a lot of work to sort of push more people to understand that scene and grow that scene and nurture that scene. And that's mainly like actually developing the game, yeah. building out like yeah. new ways to actually, yeah. whatever, creating this like new world that they actually mm -hmm. built. Mm -hmm. And then also the economies around it, right? Because mm. I mean, all three of them obviously have their economies, but you also want to talk about like, you know, how, how do you have to be successful to build games in South Africa? Mm. And we've had some sort of international success with some of the local studios, but as everyone would have said, you have to go overseas to get that success before it's recognized here. So there's all three sort of spaces have their own sort of nuances. Mm. And like I say, their own sort of difficulties and, and the good things about them as well. Um, but yeah, the problem is what often people do is they'll put gaming and esports together. 
mm. and it's a massive there's a massive difference um, even in a, in, a, in terms of culture mm. just the culture between like esports culture and gaming culture are very different you often find there's actually almost a bit of resentment sometimes at how over overpowering esports is Mm. Um, and especially because I think esports is amazing. Obviously, we push for that, and that's something. But don't you think it's because esports is like much better, like marketed? Because it's so like, so you know, to prepare for this, but mainly because I wanted to feed my curiosity. Mm-hmm. Went on YouTube. I just went esports tournament, and I watched like ten minutes of it. I was like, "What the fuck?" Because <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it looked like. The most incredible productions. Yeah. These kids are celebrities. Like the intensity of it, the production level, all these things. It just looked like, oh my goodness, there's a world I know nothing about. That thousands of people are investing everything they have into mm. trying to pump everything they have into. Like absolutely. So that's exactly it. Like, you know, that's where I was going with it. It's, it's that esports absolutely is the thing that has the the marketing value that has. Um, all of the money being put behind it, it has shows, it has everything you would need, right, to think this is a great place for, let's say, brands to get involved in. Mm. But the thing is, when you dig underneath all of that, if you look at the actual numbers, it doesn't always look that great. And I think it's one of those things that esports had to do is like fake it till you make it. Mm. Um, and, and so only through doing that, as people started taking it more seriously. But this has been going like, you know, for so long. Mm. And especially, I mean, if you look globally, it's even longer than that. Um, you know, look at, for example, South Korea is, a, is always a, a, a country that everybody looks at as the benchmark of, 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 of esports and how far it can go. I mean, there they have, you know, they're, they're, like their biggest telecom companies have teams. They, I mean, the teams, they have like rivalries. It's like the, the telecom derby. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 like, it's, like, it's like the sweater derby. It's that level of fanaticism. Like, it's that level that they've mm. really got into. I mean, they, I remember, I think it was a story in Japan, I think it was. Or my, yeah, I think Japan for one of the World Cups, the FIFA World Cups. Mm. They brought one of the players. I think it was Japan or might have been South Korea. I can't remember. But one of the players, the esports players, got put into the locker room of this, this football team mm-hmm. that's competing at the FIFA World Cup <laughs> to inspire them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, everybody, here's your, your dream is to, I don't know, not be this like international player on a football pitch <laughs> with the world watching. No, no, no. Here's this like player that, you know, from. So, absolutely, that is where, 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 where um, the, the, the show and the glamour and the amazingness of it is. But then you have to look at it, especially if you bring it to the South African context and even across Africa as a whole. Mm. We're so far away from where we need to be mm. from, from that level of sustainability. I mean, look at North America, it's fueled by VC money now. That's been a huge influx. So the, the the gaming industry is now like funded a lot by VC. The esports side. Okay. The game, e-s- okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game, game. Let's get this 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 right, guys. VC <laughs> <laughs> again is definitely economy. So there yeah. it's like massive. Um, because again, people see the value of it long term. Mm. Make in mind, they're probably like twenty years, 15, 20 years ahead of us in the growth of their esports scene. Yeah. And only now they're getting people to start bringing real money. We're we still have a long way to go there, and that's why there's a conversation of. Do you look at esports or do you look at gaming, especially mm. from the perspective of like, let's talk about brands. Mm. Which one do you go for? Mm. Everybody went for esports very quickly because, again, the show, the value, the. But do you actually almost have to find this, this mix of both mm. to make sure that you actually have the numbers to, to sustain what you're trying to do? Yeah. And I think how important is, say, for example, a, a platform like Twitch, YouTube, to actually start to show people, hey, yeah. you know, it's not just the grand massive like stadium show, but like guy in his room just has, you know, basic. Also let's get into like what a basic gaming setup even is. Right. (laughs) Like how important are those platforms for actually, um, raising the awareness, whether from a brand perspective Mm -hmm. or just like a consciousness perspective in society, how important are YouTube and Twitch to actually bringing that about? Yeah. I'm massive. I mean, it, it can't be it can't be overstated how important they are um, to the ecosystem. Um, you look at I think what's been so unique with gaming is how par- powerful Twitch was mm. to the to, to the culture. It's a, everybody just knew if you want to watch a streamer, and because again, the Twitch the, the, the Twitch culture and I guess the Twitch ecosystem has been amazing at exactly that showcasing. It's not just esports. Mm. So you'll find, for example, you know, obviously streaming is massive. Mm. Um, it, it, it does crazy numbers, um, and, and, and people find a lot of success from that. But you find the types of streamers vary. So you get the streamers that are competitive players that show you how to play the game at a, com- like a competitive level. Mm. People watch the streams to learn, edu- get educated. Then you get people that do it for fun. 
that I just did to put on a show and it's entertainment. And I think what happened with, was, was a, like, and I think that was quite a big shift in how video content became so much more consumed. Because mm. gaming, it's been happening. Obviously, we can't, there's no other way to really translate the experience of gaming without video. So mm. video content got pushed massively. Um, and so you saw the rise of Twitch and YouTube actually affected the gaming's me gaming media. Because mm. people don't read articles as much anymore. People want to see you play the game. They don't want to do game. They don't want to read a game review where you'd written like this 2,000 word, you know, 10,000 word article around like all the intricacies of the game. They want like, did you have fun? Were you laughing the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that, that's a really, that, that, what you said. That push of video content shifted so much in the gaming space. And so Twitch and, and YouTube did a big part of that. And mm. the rise of YouTube as well. I mean, everybody, I mean, the biggest gaming YouTube in the world, I think to today, it's still you, uh, PewDiePie. Mm. Um, and the kind of content he creates doesn't resonate with a lot of people, sure. Um, and he's had his own issues. But he pushed gaming content very far because he showed people how to just do, make it more accessible. Mm. And I think that's the power of gaming. Twitch made, Twitch and YouTube, those things have made it so accessible because there's no paywall, there's no pay-per-view, there's no you have to buy a ticket to get into a stadium to watch. You're just at home. Mm. Uh, but then that's come with its own problems now because it's like that accessibility was so great and was so open. It's like, how do you actually start to monetize that? Mm. Uh, but no, no, Twitch, Twitch and YouTube have been amazing. Um, it, it, it's, and it's been a difficult thing to transition gaming into, like, I suppose, the more traditional world mm. because now broadcasting rights, how do, you, how, do you, how do you secure broadcasting rights when you know that anybody can just sit down and watch it at any given time? Um, how do you compete with eyeballs when you know that there's 25,000 people playing the same game mm. every day? How mm. do you compete with that? So it's, it's got its own set of like intricacies and rules and, and challenges, but also amazing opportunities. What makes a good stream? Oh, it's, it's a personality. So uh, it, it goes down to people. It's it always comes down to the people, <laughs> right? I mean, everybody does cool things all the time. Yeah. Know? And as I just said, it's not like everybody has great content. But when you're picking between, I mean, this, is the, this day and age, it's not even exclusive to gaming. It's just, there's so much content out there. Yeah. How do you pick which one you're going to, you know, what you're going to enjoy, who you're going to listen Whether to? Whether or not I'm actually, like, enjoying, you know, um, or so I always think about content in three ways, right? Like, mm -hmm. you need to teach someone something new. You need to uh, make them feel something or move them in some way. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's without those three things, no stream, no podcast, no YouTube channel, mm -hmm, no mm -hmm. could ever actually um, be successful or widely su successful. You have dumb luck here and there, but like you have to have some level of creating value for the person that's on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 100%. And I think that's why the personality comes across so well. Mm. Because I think also gamers, what's great about it is everybody is doing the same thing. Mm. Right. So when you're seeing someone like a streamer playing a specific game, you can play that exact same game. I think the difference is you want, and I think people struggle to still make that connection. It's like, why would you um, watch someone else play when you can play it yourself? Like, no one wants to sit and watch other people play. But I think it's the beauty of someone enjoying something. I think that's mm. one of the things, and that's where that entertainment value comes in. There's that value of just, and why people watch esports, for example, is I don't want to watch myself play a game and die three times. <laughs> like, I can do it, I can enjoy the game, but I'd also want to enjoy watching it played at the highest level. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same admiration. I mean, it's the same thing with like I play soccer. But exactly. I still want to watch Ronaldo. Right. I mean, it's not going to stop you from playing it and try to kick. You know, everybody wanted to bend it like Beckham back in yeah. the years back. Everybody tried. You couldn't you do it. You are revealing your age, my oh, brother. No. <laughs> do you know, I literally was just... Bend it like Beckham? <laughs> Listen here. It's, uh, it's a Saturday. And uh, I just... It's, it's my reference point. Right? <laughs> it, it is my age. Actually. I think what's been, what's been quite crazy as well is, you know, you look at gaming... And the age grade, the age, the age thing has changed so much. You know, everything. Mm. Everyone thought it was like you know, everybody's like twelve years old, thirteen, and apparently, like when you hit fifteen or something, apparently you just stop playing games and then you move on or something. <laughs> like I don't know why everyone always had that idea, but you see, you've seen the range of it now. I mean, it's everybody. I mean, there's, there's an actual esports team. I think it was in, in one of the Scandinavian countries. Um, um, but they and, and a senior and a senior group. They're about like in their sixties. Mm. Competitive team. That play tournaments because mm. they just enjoy it so much. I and mean, so you've seen that range happen. And I think what's been amazing is like the culture represent, like I shifted that. Mm. So I'm always laughing at like, you know, me with my references when I was like 30. And everyone's like, <laughs> what? Playing like, no, we're talking about YouTubers now. Like, this is the stuff. So even gaming sometimes reminds me, <laughs> even if I'm in gaming, I still, I still, I still have my age to it. But um, I saw a tweet, like, there's this, um, I think it was a joke. Um, he yeah, yeah. posted it as a joke, but like, he was clearly like a professional, you know, esports guy, and like he was like, "Just turned twenty five; it's time to retire." I was like, "Wow!" 
I mean, so, so, yeah, look, obviously, the, the age thing, I think, is, it's changed a lot now. I think you're definitely getting used to seeing um, competitive players at an older age. I'm still playing, like, like I say, older, my age. Uh, still, so, yeah. like, 30 is old in gaming. It, it is. It, it, it very much is. I think the reason being that it's not about the... Because people used to always rationalize that your, your, your movement gets slower and... But again, it's like we're not. It's not a physical thing we're doing here. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they are they are strange to it, but it's not the physical. It's not like your reaction time per se. That's yeah. not enough to justify your age retiring. Mm. But it's because of how much it takes of your life. Ah. I mean, as a competitive player, you know, back in the day, people were training sixteen hours a day. You're moving in with a bunch of people in a gaming house, and you're playing the game every day. You're competing all the time. You're mm. flying across the world to compete in different. Like it's a full time job. Literally, it's a full time job. And there's no the the transition out of it into like into like going past to like say like you know into the I don't want to say the real world because it's not really the thing. But I think the more traditional traditional space is a very difficult transition. Because keep in mind, you're playing during like the like the time you should be studying. Mm. So you're playing during like you know high school. You're playing during varsity. So people, a lot of people, put off their careers, you know, their degrees just to pursue the sport. Mm. And so the age thing comes in when you're like, you know, if you're 25 and you don't have a degree still, you don't have any transferable skills that, you know, you're only locked into the gaming ecosystem. Um, and obviously I said the degrees are the, the benchmark of whether you can achieve something. But if you've been putting your life off outside of gaming mm. for like five years, maybe sometimes 10 years for them, it's a very scary time because then mm. you're like, where am I going from yeah. if I'm not going to stay and commit to gaming? Yeah. So you find that's the age a lot of them make that decision to go back to studies mm. um, to finish those off or, you know, sometimes, you know, especially um, in, in South Korea will be around uh, military um, service that you have to do. So there's always reasons why that kind of is the age where people start to go, hmm, like, do I really still want to do this? Mm. Um, and some of them have the drive too. I mean, some of them compete for, for like 20 years mm. um, and, and they don't really lose their, their skill that much. But uh, yeah, for most people, it's about the time that people go, what am, I, what am I doing? Like, Where am I actually going with this? Yeah. So like, I think I have a very uh, typical sort of gaming experience as just a, you know, average person. So, mm. obviously, the mass of our population probably doesn't have access to the technology or like um, buying these things as mm -hmm. you know because, at at the core, right, at the very basic level, most people think of gaming as being a luxury, and you know, you you think the parents need to be making a decision that, oh, no, it's at least, you know, a better choice than you going out into the streets, mm -hmm. running around and causing trouble, right? Like, I remember when my mom got me, like, the PS1. I remember her saying, just please stay at home. Like, literally, this is the thing. You don't need yeah, to yeah. go anywhere now. Yeah. And I remember that literally just becoming the life, right? Which is, like, you could sit there for three hours. And, like, the PS1 needed a memory card, right, <laughs> in order to save games. Yeah. And my mom couldn't afford to get me the memory card. And you could play like FIFA career mode. And literally at the end of the day, that whole thing would be erased. And you start over tomorrow oh, and start over tomorrow and start over tomorrow. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think the very typical experience of most people is like having a console or you, like your brother has a console or like your cousin or a friend in the neighborhood. And everyone comes together. You play like mm -hmm. in that sort of space. And then somewhere around 18, maybe 19, you go to, go to varsity gaming, sort of like, it's not as important mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless you really, really care about it and like invest and make sure that say your PC, you can use that. Um, but the reason I sort of went back to like using, to getting a console as an adult, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Putting this in like um, air quotes mm. is because I, I, I watched this talk. So I went to this event and this lady was like, um, the the benefits of gaming from a psychological perspective for grown adults. I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. I actually have like nothing outside of work. There's nothing that actually fulfills me like as a leisure thing. I, I Something I don't make money from, something mm -hmm. I don't... And this is before podcast. And I was like, I need to get a console. And literally dedicated going, hey, okay, I'm going to play like an hour a week or whatever, or whatever, or whatever. How important are those different um, incentives for really taking time out to invest mm. in like mm. gaming right and obviously the gaming we're talking about literally just i'm at home yeah, i man. have fun i haven't even gotten my xbox online and yet because i'm too scared <laughs> i don't know it's a whole new world <laughs> how does what makes one a professional gamer 
Looks, I think, you know, you've, you've touched on that. There's a lot of um, skills or areas of growth that gaming promotes um, that I think aren't either valued enough um, or, or given proper justice. Um, you know, for example, one of the games called, uh, well, one of the games Dota 2, I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest in the world. Um, and uh, it's one, I mean, I'm not going to get into obviously the details of it, but it's, it is an absolutely massively complicated game. Mm. Um, League of Legends is the, the equivalent of it as well. Um, oh, no, please go into the details. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> I guess the, the, you, you have five players on a team. Okay. Right. And five players obviously on the opposing team, and everybody has to pick a character. Mm-hmm. But keep in mind, let's say, so let me stick with League of Legends because that's the game. I know I'm going to get, I'm going to get given crap for that one. Because <laughs> that is the more popular one here, but League of Legends is the one that I know and, and, and I really love. So if you look at that, every, there's, let's say, I think now probably around 120 characters in a game. Mm-hmm. But each of those characters has strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and each of the characters matches up better against this person versus this person and in that role versus there's just so many complexities just that alone just the variables of who you pick you haven't even gone into the game yet mm. just sitting there think i mean that the entire process of picking your player is this five minute process with a bunch of strangers now there's also the social no- there's a social aspect to it because now you're trying to work with complete strangers mm. but here's the thing it's like take it's like playing without a memory card you are in a game with people that you don't know. You have to build enough rep- like a, a rapport with everybody, mm. get people to understand what they're doing and what they like, don't like, play together in a game, try to win, and then you're out. Then you do it all over again from the beginning. <laughs> right? you have to do- so the social skills are, 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 are quite intense and it's all mm. done under pressure. And that's why, for example, you know, the online space, it, look, they, they, it, do, it doesn't justify the toxicity and how intense it can be and how hostile it is. Mm. But you mind, you're playing with strangers who are stressed, who have their own life problems, mm. and you're trying to figure out socially how to make everyone work. Um, and that to me is such a fascinating thing. Mm. You know, and, and when you look at it, and, that, and that's just gaming, that's just the, the norm, that's the base level. Mm. Now you're talking about a competitive level. I mean, it, it, it takes everything tenfold. Um, I remember, you know, for the Dodo, for Dodo, um, I got to interview, um, at the time, I think she was one of the earlier um, female managers of, of, of esports teams because mm. it, it wasn't really happening much at the time. She managed a team um, in Southeast Asia. And it was so long, I think it was Team Mineski, I think. But uh, I got to interview her, I got to chat to her, and, and I was speaking to her again around back then that, that conversation people have is, you know, what the value of gaming really is and in esports and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she, she would speak about how just these same things. Like talking to this to the value of the, the, the social skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in one of the clips when I was doing my research on it, she even spoke about, um, yeah, all the complications. I mean, they, you're making a million complications constantly throughout the game and you do it like it's nothing. And decision making. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gaming, uh, when I started looking more into the esports side and started competing on it, because at one point I was like, oh, I really want to do this. Like, mm. I really want to get competitive and go pro. Then I was like, I'm not that good. So, let me not be that person. <laughs> but, you know, I think... I, my approach to a lot of things changed mm. um, because I, would, I, I took that, that, that sort of, it, it, we call it min-maxing. It's like you just, I mean, the, the, the concept's the same across anything. It's, you find the minimum amount of work to do the most amount of effort and the maximum input. It's about efficiency. Mm. I take that approach with everything I do. I, I, I go that hard with every kind of research and every approach I take with business because of how competitive I'm in the gaming side mm. and how important that thinking is. So, you know, do you take that all of that and that culture of gaming why it is the way that it is and why it's such an amazing space um, and then you look at it with competitive players and you ask you know what does it make you know what makes a competitive player um, look one of the difficult things and especially specifically in South Africa we're still trying to transition to a point where people are being paid a regular salary to compete mm. right now that's not sustainable and I mean I guess when you think about it like that are you a professional yet, right? And that's why we kind of don't really say it too much here. Mm. Um, so I don't really say professional player because it implies people doing this full time and they get paid. The reality is a lot of them are quite young and there is that, 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 that accessibility side in terms of how much it costs to play games. Get in, yeah. Right? It's not just whether you've got the console, never mind, you know, console is one thing and the PC gaming is the other side. There's still the internet. There's still the peripherals, like the mouse that you're going to use, the keyboard, the competitive controllers. All of those things make a, a super high barrier to entry. So you'll find it's people that can afford to buy those things, one, and that can afford to not have to worry about necessarily um, finding a additional source of revenue whilst mm. they compete. Um, I've seen a bunch of gaming lounges. Um, what is the purpose of something like that? Is that mainly for someone that doesn't have like that setup mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their own home and they go out to do this? And then, yeah, like, is that primarily the only focus? Or is there something... 
um, much deeper happening because I haven't had the yeah, courage yeah. to walk in and just ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so, so I mean, a, a lot of it obviously comes from, from, I think, just internet cafes where people used to obviously just go. If you couldn't have internet, you'd just go to internet cafe. Mm. I mean, like, when I was growing up, we used to do that all the time because internet home wasn't strong enough or stable enough or whatever. Um, and that was really great. And I always used to look forward to those because um, I'd be there downloading cheat codes and like <laughs> guides for like specific games where I could go home and I'd be like okay cool now I know what to do for this thing you know um, and, and so I think that cult of internet cafes was kind of like where the idea was like cool let's do it for gaming now like at a gaming level mm. um, and it happens a lot of overseas everybody you know you'll always read about it in terms of um, PC banks and Korea um, the culture there is massive people there are often part of the culture you don't really buy your own stuff mm. you just go to the PC bank because everybody goes there mm. um but again, there's so many nuances to how that why it works there and why it won't necessarily work here. Mm. So you know, internet. So there's a lot of them that have come up now. Um, you know, um, and and one of the ones that I you know know quite well will be at ATK, um, and they've pushed a massive thing where they literally have the space and and they bring people through and they do tournaments and events and things. Um, you know, obviously they they're in esports all as well. Um, and and I think they have approached it as this is. Um, I, well, okay, I obviously speak from the outside and not, not from, uh, from within. Um, but I think the way that they've approached it and positioned it is it's just a space to converge mm. with all things gaming. You know, they do, they do events there. I think they had like a Valentine's Day event. Um, they, they, they try to bring brands there to do activation spaces. Mm. So I think the way they've approached it is a lot more holistic because I was very, I was very um, skeptical of it at the beginning. Mm. I mean, and I'd been frank about it. I was like, I don't really know if it's going to be sustainable. Um, and I mean, obviously, I don't obviously know the finances, but I think the way they've approached it is a space for gaming to occur. Um, and there is also that opportunity to make it more accessible so that more people can just jump in and play. I think that's quite tricky, though, because, you know, that the, I think the inequality in the country here specifically is just so great. Mm. Like, I think, you know, it's not even about having a gaming setup. It's, it's like people just trying to get somewhere. It's not it's something that's quite a luxury in this country. Yeah. And I don't think people realize that either. It's like just being able to go, I want to go to that place in 30 minutes is something not everybody can be able to just do. So I think that, I don't know if, if internet cafes will lower the barrier to entry because I think there's far bigger issues that we're trying to solve right now. Mm. Um, it, you know, within the gaming context of South Africa, of how to get it more open and get it more there. Um, but I think if you look at it, for example, Ikasi Esports, Mm. Um, another great org um, that I have a lot of respect for. Um, and, and they've made a massive um, conscious shift of trying to bring gaming into the townships um, and, and try to bring it to a group of people that aren't normally represented, like represent, uh, represented, you know, and I think that's always been something I've, I've talked about for a while. It's gotten obviously better over the years, but representation is a really important thing. Mm. And I think when you look at what these spaces can do is it can actually bring that diversity together mm. because now you're allowing places for people to converge that maybe normally wouldn't have a place to or wouldn't know how to get into it. I think there's a lot of the, that kind of value that comes from from having a gaming space or a gaming lounge. Yeah. And, like, do you basically think of them also as um, this day and age's arcades? Like, I remember going to the yeah. shop and playing, yeah. like, uh, Street Fighter. Just, like, 50 cents in. <laughs> going, yeah. you're going yeah, yeah, for, like, yeah. five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and then the culture is there too, right? Because you go there, everybody would like link up together. Oh and yeah, you, you know. I think, I think that time is definitely past. Mm. Um, I don't think it's so. I mean, like now, when you go to like a gaming expert, well, I guess not now because COVID, but before, you know, go to a gaming expert, it's like they'd have a they'd have a um, an arcade machine set up. I was like, ooh, okay, look how cool this used to be. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this. this is so, take a photo. Take a photo. You know. <laughs> It's like this thing that, that people are like, what a weird time. <laughs> um, so I, and I think even that, con that grouping together isn't as big of a thing anymore because internet became so powerful. Mm. Um, you know, now you, uh, you can play. I mean, like, I remember when lands, we stopped doing lands with friends. I would be like, why would I come over there? Can I've got to bring my whole machine, my whole setup. Mm. I can just play from the comfort of my home. We've got all the tools. I mean, everything from Discord to TeamSpeak back in the day. There's so much available now for people that are in the gaming space already that you don't need to congregate anymore. Mm. Um, and, and I think also just the nature of gaming. It's like when you see friends, you don't always want to just be playing games. Mm. When you see people, you want to be doing other things. I think things have become a bit more balanced. It's, just, it's, a, different, it's a different time. Yeah. Um, and I think a diff people, people approach gaming quite differently. Um, consoles is probably the closest we still get to that because I think consoles, like you've said, 
Like for example, FIFA. Anybody who just everybody gets to someone in the house, and you just smash through FIFA and play games together. I think console culture still has that. Mm. Um, I think PC gaming is not as much. You know, PC gaming is quite an individual thing, mm. um, in the sense of like you're doing it by yourself there. And um, never mind that there's a social aspect obviously of being online with people. But yeah, you don't you don't find that as much. That arcade thing isn't as big of a thing. Again, as, like I say, there are spots and, and places in it, like in Korea, like bank, you know, PC banks are still a thing. Yeah, um, and there people congregate. But other than that, here it's not as much. Uh, and that's why you have to find different ways to start to bring people together. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, the esports side of things and, you know, the expos are great ways to do that because that's when everybody, you know, comes together, you know, a couple of times a year. And there's always great because then you just get to immerse yourself in gaming culture and mm. see the, the best things and talk to people and meet new people. And those things are, you know, that's, that's the role that those play. And that's why they're more important than ever before now. Yeah. So this has been quite hard not being able to, to have those expos. Um, well, sorry, last year. I keep bringing... I mean, to me, I'm like, it's like the 14th month of, of, of 2020, you know, it's kind of... I'm looking at it. But, but you know, the, the expos, it was quite hard. We, everyone actually transitioned into um, doing things online, as, as with everyone, you know, everyone to learn to do that. And like, I think that hurt it a bit because I think outside of those things, you don't get the gaming culture to yeah. everyone come together. And, and that is like one of the biggest challenges in gaming for South Africa, right? Like the internet access, but also the quality of that internet. Mm. And when I, you know, the, back to that tweet I sent out, like everyone was saying, hey, dude, like you competing with internet, like before you competing with the person that you like um, competing against in the game you're playing, you're competing against the fact that your internet is going to be delayed by like 0.5 seconds. I was like, so what? That's not bad. And then the guy was like, dude, in, in any game, 0.5 seconds is a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 quite unreal. I mean, you look at the esports, the local esports teams. We've had a few times we've been invited to international um, events, and the teams have flown over to compete. Um, so it's the thing. Ping is, is what it comes down to. That's sort of the the distance that you are to the server of the game or whatever. Mm. Um, that thing can only be even with the internet. It can only be solved by you know you can only get so close. So for example, the average um, the average gamer here, if your your ping to let's say Europe is like probably one hundred and eighty. Like 180, like it's just a tiny little number, mm. um, and it doesn't mean very much. Like even half a second is like actually not even that much. It's a little less, you know. Mm. Um, it, well, I think I, if I'm actually, I, I love that I don't even remember this, but I think your yeah, 180 is literally like the milliseconds actually. So it's it's that small of a of a of a um, forever lag of mm. a lag, but everything adds up. So for example, if you're putting together a combo in whatever the game is, you need to be hitting a set amount of keys at a specific speed. And mm. the faster you hit them, the faster you complete the combo. That's the difference between life and death in, a, in, a, in an interaction with someone, with an opponent, with a team. Mm. Um, it's, it's, you know, and I think that has always been a problem for us because when we've gone and competed internationally, we've struggled. And you actually struggle, not necessarily because you're used to playing with bad, well, because the internet's bad. It's actually because you're used to playing with that, with that um, speed in mind. That input mm. lag is actually ingrained in your muscle memory. So you know how long it takes your internet to process things. So mm. you play accordingly. So now I imagine you've, you've, now, you've been playing this way for so long, all your life, and you get sent to an international event where that whole speed, is, that whole in delay is gone. It affects your play because now your timings aren't the same. And keep in mind, these people have been tra trained 10, 6 hours a day. So that's muscle memory that now you've thrown mm. off completely. Your entire game is off. And so there's a whole adjustment period that always happens. And it happens obviously when you travel everywhere. So the, 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 the challenges have always been, you know, the, the internet is one thing. Um, but I think it's also, it's the thing also that happens, like Africa's always left out of things. Mm. Everybody's like, oh, world tour. It's like, cool. World well, tour the, 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 literally goes around the biggest continents. It always goes around the biggest continent. Right. And so, and so that is also such a frustration because, you know, Africa has been left out a lot of things, a lot of, um, you know, some of the tournament, international tournaments and, and international gaming culture. And that's also a problem because now you can't compete with like the best of the best all the time. And that's what you need. You need to be brushing shoulders with the best. Um, you know, you need to get destroyed in a game to be like, man, I've got a lot to learn from that. And I think there's a, you know, there's so many, there's just a lot of challenges um, mm. uh, that 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 make it a lot harder to to propel the scene and, and the things going forward. Um, and like I said, internet's one of those things, and it's been something we speak, we've spoken about quite a bit as well. I mean, I think um, the lack of internet access and penetration, um, also when you look at like the high mobile t costs, because mobile is something I've, I've been pushing for so long. 
I'm mm. really been pushing the idea of, of mobile gaming being a really important thing that's not looked at seriously enough because of the gaming culture. Everyone's like, if you're not playing on PC, I mean, even consoles still get made jokes of you mm. know, half the time. Um, people don't look at mobile gaming. Why, why, gaming. That, why is that? Like, is it because it's way more accessible? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a, it's it's like a, almost like a purity thing. Like mm. It started off as a joke, but there's a, it's an, there is a, an essence that, that people feel like it's just not like the way gaming is done. Like mm. you, know, you have total control, and you know when you're playing a console, it's a lot easier. And you know if you're playing a shooting game, there's like an aim assist, like a slide. So it's like little things. I mean, it's like completely it's completely silly. And I think for the most part, we all we all are really good at laughing at that and not taking it seriously. Mm. Um, but I think mobile gaming still struggles to be taken quite seriously. But when you look at like in Africa, it's like we have one of the highest mobile penetration rates like globally. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, there's a lot of things that we need to deal with, but access to phones isn't one, you know. And I yeah. think the, the the push for that is not taken serious enough in gaming. Um, and if we try to do that more, it would allow us to kind of build our own scene. I think what wow. we try to do, and I think that to me has been the biggest frustration, is we emulate a lot of the West. Mm. So we see what they've been what they've been doing. So for example, the big shows on the stages, we got to a point where we were doing that. I'm like, how are we building a stage when we still have our prize pools that aren't there to sustain that? And so what you found is we had this massive spike as we tried to emulate that, uh, and then we fell, it fell down and we went sort of back, and now we've been rebuilding that again and doing it more sustainably. I think everyone learned their lesson from the last big rush. Mm. Um, and so again, it's, it's all of these different things, and it, it, it's what makes the space so exciting. I mean, I can talk about it yeah. for hours, but I think there's all these intricacies, and it's like over time you have to learn how to do things in the way that works for you, um, in a way that works for your market, in a way that resonates with your audience, and not necessarily looking at what are the, you know, what's the West doing. Um, it's about actually seeing what works for us and making that work here. Yeah. And when you think about, you know, earlier you said um, the Ikasi um, team mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. doing, you know, a lot more initiatives in townships. Um, do you see that as being the way in which we're going to make gaming or esports way more open and diverse? Or is there other ways that we can try and sort of start to make that turn? Because mm-hmm. it is important that there be representation across the board. Um, of people that look like us in mm-hmm. different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the thing that's going to shift or change things? Sure. It's a, it's a funny one that every time I get asked the question, because obviously it comes up quite often, it's still something I have to think about because it's forever yeah. changing um, in terms of you know what, what, what the achievements or what we need to do to succeed. I think one of the biggest things is to probably to actually reframe gaming, and I think that's starting to happen more, mm. is about it's not this niche thing anymore. It doesn't have to be this thing about because again, obviously everyone has built up this idea of what gaming is, and a lot of it, you know, we try to portray as like oh, it's super cool, like it's super intense, um, you know, quite, um, well, not exclusive, but you've got to be really good to be a part of it, and I think that you, that was to our detriment because we try to we try to validate gaming. I go, no, this is a great space and it is cool and it is intense and it's quite, you know, and that made people go like, oh, okay, well, then I don't want to really want to get involved with that. Mm. Um, and I think we, we, it's only recently we started to reframe gaming as it's not this nerdy kid in the basement uh, thing. It's this thing that anybody can do, anybody. Mm. Uh, and you can look like anyone and do it. And, and enjoy it and, and have find success in that. And I think when you frame it that way, that makes more people want to actually watch and pay attention. So, for example, um, especially obviously COVID has, has accelerated that, that, that growth specifically massively. Um, you know, when Casper, Casper Nioves was streaming. Um, yeah, he was, he, was, FIFA. He, was, he was streaming FIFA on Twitch. Mm. Um, and I think to me that was amazing because now you've got his entire audience going, oh, what's that Twitch thing? How do I log in? What's that Twitch? And then because they've been there, they might go, okay, well, I know how to get there again. So when a gaming event happens, that's streaming on Twitch, it's not as big of a, what's that Twitch thing again? Mm. And I think that to me is, is what we need to start to focus on. I think uh, there's a lot of the, the infrastructure issue, uh, infra- issues within infrastructure, right? Like the internet access um, those are problems that we cannot in an industry solve very easily. Mm. I think that's stuff that we need government um, and buy-in from and, and support because that's like a far bigger task and there's a lot more to that to it than just doing it for gaming. Mm. Um, you know, so, so having government be involved would be, would be amazing. Um, the, the scene obviously never don't really enjoy that conversation um, because there's things in the past that have happened with certain bodies and, and it's not been a great experience. So gaming has a lot of dist- you know, mistrust in terms of like, do we actually want to let other people in? That's also another thing mm. you'll, you'll see in the scene, especially when it's something that still feels quite niche. And as it starts to grow, you always have that resistance to that change. 
and people want to make it theirs, and it's like you can't take our thing away from us. Yeah. And I think gaming's been ridiculed for so long that when it became this really popular thing, there was a lot of resentment. People were like, "Why?" Like, I'm like, "Why is Casper? Why is Casper? Why Casper stream? Why are people watching Casper? Because mm. people have been doing that for 20 years. Why is he coming and pulling numbers? You know." So there's that resentment that can come from it as well. Mm. I think there's a resentment that comes from 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 the old guard of people sometimes. You know, and and and, and you know, I think just it's just it's natural. It's like you things have been done a specific way. Mm. Um, you know, the fight against sort of racism within gaming has been done for so long. And I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been at the forefront of that, trying to fight that and push it. And, 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 but then when I saw the new wave of kids do it and the way that they've approached it, I was just like, man, it's so cool. You know? <laughs> what did, would you say that is for someone that doesn't know? It, so, so I think, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's so hard for me to pinpoint. I think I was doing, you know, we were doing this, like writing the articles and you're know, being super formal, but they're having conversations on like just Twitter, on like TikTok. I mean, even like you see the rise of like TikTok, how people take social issues and just clip, put that in yeah. the TikTok and, they just talk differently about things. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that just makes it more accessible. So it's like, they've just like, just, they've pushed gaming so far um, in terms of, you know, the fight against racism. They've just done such great things. Um, you know, they, there's this group called Games of Color mm. that, are, that a friend of mine um, started. And it's just, uh, just a space for people of color to congregate. Why weren't we doing that already? Do you know, mm. like something that simple? And I think that's what I'm loving about where gaming is. And I think that to me is a success. Yeah. It's where we're going to start to grow. Is when you allow the new wave and the new ideas and the fresh things to come in to help more people speak about it in the way that resonates to everybody. Yeah. Um, because everybody, if you get stuck doing the same thing, the old way, nothing's going to change. Your numbers, you know, you look at, for example, viewership numbers are still not great. Mm. in South Africa um, I remember when I did uh, the, I did a charity event uh, for, for Bring Back uh, called Bring Back Sports right at the, big, sort of the beginning of COVID to raise funds but I also wanted to show people the power of gaming mm. it was very deliberate for me to do that I was like I want brands to start to see and people see you're all everyone's stuck at home indoors gamers we, we know how to do that Mm. Um, and I wanted to show the power of gaming and, and we brought musicians on board I mean it was so crazy having um, Karen Zoid mm. Like on there playing with her team and, <laughs> and the game we picked the mobile game I mean we had FIFA as one but I, I wanted PUBG as the second one because it was a mobile game yeah. so the thing was about showing the power of like this mobile gaming um, but then showing that anybody can do it so having musicians coming and playing in um, you know and doing that with with, with, uh, with a friend Tex um, and, and the guys from Nodding it was just such a great experience and I think I want to see more of that as people start to take chances um, and that's why you know the, the timing of your question was so interesting when you ask yourself why aren't brands doing enough or well, getting involved in gaming and things you don't see it because it's still not was executed that great you mm. know there's, there's still a struggle to do it the right way because again it's about look at the audience of South Africa you can't just speak to the esports crowd mm. because that's too small of a market so yeah brands are going to come in and try to drop cra uh, cash on that and then they don't see anything from it and then they go like, well okay well I'm not coming back again because I didn't do anything mm. it's like you're speaking to the wrong people you know you look at um Castle Light getting involved in rage specifically. Mm. That to me makes a more sensible play because it's it's rage. It's more it's talking to gamers and it's talking to the people. You know, that that is a more a, a sustainable way to do things. You know, Nibble, we've just come off a campaign that we did with, with Scoot and McDonald's. Mm. And it was a massive success. It was really, really cool to see it. Um, but again, it's all right. we weren't trying to speak to esports per se. We again had a mobile game in it, um, being PUBG as well. I uh, had a mobile aspect, so it's about playing on your phone, being able to order the food. It was very simple messaging. It was speaking to the gaming culture. Mm. And I think that's why I would like to say that we found that we found a success there. Um, it almost overwhelmed the brands. It was just like there's so much, you know, so, so many, so much engagement. Mm. People are hungry to engage with brands. I think gaming is one of the most highly engaged markets across the board and i think it's mainly because of the community around it right like if you have a very deep um caring community about the thing that we're talking about so for example now just gaming if you can tap into that community yeah. like you win right like i think that's the most powerful thing and like um i always look at like nielsen reports around where conversion comes from on the internet and mm -hmm. it's always the very very deep entrenched communities where brands actually find it very easy to actually make it work, especially when they co-create with the creators in that space. Yeah, yeah. And I look at like what you're speaking about as being like that sort of process where you go, okay, wait, you might not understand us, but like we understand the people that we want to speak to and the people that are in our community. How do we make your product or communicate it in the right way mm. and like engage them in a way that they genuinely feel like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, and, and that's such an important thing. I think the way that, you know, when we, we, the way we did it at Nibble is we don't take on brand campaigns and if we can sit there with the, in the concept stage. Mm. Because we're not going to, you know, we're not just, it's not a thing of coming through and go, hey, hey you guys are like pretty influential in the scene. 
here's our stuff. Can you just like let people know? Cool, great job. That doesn't work. Mm. Um, gamers especially won't work. Game, gaming is so highly engaged because that's just the norm. Gamers have been online consuming data, uh, consuming you know, information and content on the daily. It mm. is ingrained in the culture, so it's second nature. For one, that means you've got a way more intelligent audience and intelligence in the sense of they know when they're being marketed to more. Mm. I think everybody's elevated to that degree more than ever before. But I think now the gamers understand that far more, you know. Mm. Um, and that's why, um, again, like I said, it's like you brands have to do things the right way with gaming. That you absolutely can win. And I think there is massive revenue and, and, and value to be had within gaming. But you've got to be able to do it the right way in an authentic way. And people struggle to do that still. Yeah, um, and, and I think that's you know a big difference in terms of how we approach things, um, and even just you know me in my personal capacity, and I do work with brands. It's got to be we've got to do it together. It's got to be at a concept stage that we can explain to you, because also you can come from the outside and look at it and go like, oh, game, okay, I get it, cool, this, this, mm, mm, mm. nope, because <laughs> you're gonna miss one little thing that's gonna completely shift your messaging across, or you know those sort of things. Yeah, um, and and that's why it's 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 not you know I think. Brands have come in and gone burnt in the past. I think brands have been doing it right or they weren't always led the right way. But I think now people are starting to see that there's actually real value to be made. Mm. And I think that's you know, becoming quite, you know, quite uh, exciting because I think brands are now trying to come in again and with a new, with a newfound respect for gaming. Um, and I think, I think that you know, COVID has definitely pushed that in a lot of ways as well because now brands are going, how do you engage with people? Like, how do you deal with in-home consumption? How do you capture people's attention with creating content? Mm. Brands are starting to look at gaming to do that, and we're in this really, really exciting space. Now, we've also matured as an industry. You know, I think in the past, people wouldn't even talk about, like, ROI. Mm. Like, I wouldn't talk about it at all. And I was like, why are we not talking about ROI? Like, it's the most important thing for a brand. Mm. It's what makes them come back. Mm. Um, and so I think gaming is an industry we've matured a lot as well. And I think everybody's starting to understand sort of what the norms are from, from an advertising marketing point of view. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's an exciting space. It's an exciting space. Tell me about nipple. No, sorry, <laughs> nibble. Um, I was in my head, right? And I was like, I have to say nibble. I have to say nibble. I have to say nibble. And then my mouth said, no, sir. No, I have something else for you. Not today. Not today. Um, <laughs> I apologize. No, no, no. That has never happened. <laughs> That's that's totally fine. No, Nibble, Nibble, uh, no, like the name. The also, name. we waited fifty minutes to do this intro. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you need you need to rein me in. I can talk about. I can do this. I can talk for hours. <laughs> so it's actually a problem. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So so it's so a Nibble, Nibble, Nibble. Like I said, it's uh, the gaming um, esports organization that I co-own, um, along with uh, my business partner, a very good friend, um, Keegan. Um, so Keegan founded the org actually around. I think it was four years ago now. Yeah, it should be. Actually, I think I think our fifth birthday is coming up. So, That's so amazing. Keegan, Keegan founded the org back then, um, and uh, I joined nine months ago. So I joined June last year, um, and the focus around you know what I loved with Nibble was because I'd been looking to to get more involved in the esports side um, and get more um, involved directly into the, in terms of gaming stuff. Because again, I'd been writing about it, and as a writer, you have to be. You know, you have to observe, you have to be sort of outside of it, really, and kind of looking in and, and try to be this objective and, you know, person. And I was like, cool. I mean, I've done that for long enough, and yeah. now I really want to just like, get involved and make changes, um, you know, real changes from inside. Uh, and so I'd been looking at which orgs um, to, to, whether I wanted to kind of start my own, and also to looking at kind of the landscape and what was there. And I just really loved what Nibble had been doing. Um, and, you know, the way the org approached things is like, it's just we're doing our thing. That's what we focus on. And the, the scene, as with anything, I mean, there's always a lot of drama and there's always politics and things, and it comes with just life in general, I suppose. Uh, but I'd always seen Nintendo sort of never being a part of that, which mm. is really cool. And so I started working with them because I'd brought them on for my Bring Back Sports charity event. Mm. Um, and, and I'd just started talking to Keegan, and we were talking a bit more, and we are talking about gaming and our views on things. And, and we just kind of found we both thought very similarly. Um, and we started working together, I think, over a couple of... And it was like a couple of months, we both kind of got to the idea of, like, would we want to, like, do this work properly together, like, more long-term? Um, and I think, yeah, we both just sat down and had a conversation about me joining Nibble. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and I joined that, and it's been the most incredible journey, you know, since. Um, just the way that we've done things, and I, and I, I really do believe that we, we've done... 
we've said a few trends and, and done things a bit differently um, that has, you know, made people look up and notice. Mm. Um, you know, I think the, the growth is seen from the org as well as, as has, been, has been huge. Um, and so it's like, you know, with space that we're in now, I mean, we're getting brand campaigns. Um, you know, we, we've just launched, we launched like a merch line last year. So we've just been doing a lot of just so many different things in the gaming space. Mm. I think one of our biggest things is we're just trying to, Again, it's like, and the same thing I'm saying, it's like gaming isn't just, it's just not just esports. It's not just even just sitting down and playing games, right? If you look at gaming, it's, it's an entire culture. Mm. So there's fashion in, in gaming. There's music in gaming. Um, and I remember writing an article even recently, or actually a couple of years back, but around the power of like music and gaming. Um, mm. FIFA understood that, right? EA got it, so, understood it so strongly. Oh no, that guy deserves a raise. Whoever. It's a whole team. They built an entire team. It has to be a team. It has to be a team. Literally, so I mean, I mean, this, this, <laughs> everyone, you, know, you, can, you can hear into those arguments about like which FIFA has the best soundtrack, right? Yeah. You know, so anyone has, but there's an entire team that sits and curates this music because they understand the power of it um, you look at the NBA 2K right the NBA game they have um, partnerships that they actually bring on up and coming artists and put mm. them on the roster because if you get put on that track that's people playing your game listening to so gaming is so entrenched in everything that we do and I think our approach at Nibble has always been how do we showcase gaming culture in everything that we do mm. we're not we don't want so we, we you know Keeks and I always say we're not necessarily gaming or we're a lifestyle brand that happens to play in gaming. Mm. And I think that's been our approach. And I think that's what's made us quite unique and approach things differently and how we do our merch um, and how we even do the launch, you know, um, and, and how do we approach all the different things? Like, you know, we've launched a music label now mm. um, and we're actually busy in the process of like bringing on more artists into that roster. Like gaming all wouldn't necessarily be going in music, playing mm. in that space. But again, if you understand the power of music and the link between music and gaming, it's like, of course it makes sense to go in there. Um, and so that's sort of what you know, Nibble's approach has been to things is how do we um, build the scene out in a holistic view? Uh, and I think you know, we're doing some really exciting things and it's, it's going really well. Um, mm. And I think we're starting to see that in the success that we see as well. You know, the growth in, from numbers to sort of brands and just also just the campaigns that we've been doing as well. It, mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really rewarding to see our approach and our ideas, our ideologies sort of you know, find success. Yeah. Man... Like I've learned a lot and I really hope everyone that's listened um, learned a lot as well. What do you think the future of gaming and esports in South Africa is or will be? Mm. I think, uh, you know, again, like we spoke and kind of touched on some of the, the issues that, are, that we're facing as, as a scene, as a local scene. I think for me, once we stop looking outside and start to look within, uh, is really, and then look at the trends that work here, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. And for me, I think if you have to give it a tangible sort of next steps and what I would go like cool what we really need to focus on is looking at it from a, an African perspective mm. um, because I don't think we, we still don't do that yet um, it's only now you know in recent times that we, we're all starting to talk across borders now and, and actually have a few more conversations and, and be a bit more deliberate with it in terms of asking for help and being like hey you know you have expertise in X, Y, and Z in your country can you help bring that here mm. uh, and so you're finding this massive you know this push that's happening from everybody and I think that's what's great about it everybody's trying to do it from the different regions um, you look at sort of you know the stuff that's happening in Nigeria and Ghana and Kenya you know specifically uh, and then obviously in South Africa and I think we're starting to have that conversation and, and more of a communication happening I think if we can start to approach things from an African perspective, uh, that's going to be huge for us. Um, because I think, one, it's going to put Africa on the, in the map in a gaming perspective. Um, obviously, so many industries have been doing that already. I mean, if you look at the rise of um, uh, fashion within Africa as well, everybody's like, show people, like, we can speak for ourselves and tell our own narrative. Mm. I think if we can start to own the narrative of gaming in Africa, um, I think that sets up for a very powerful future. Um, even from a point of brand, because now brands go, I don't have to just talk to one country. I can actually do a campaign that speaks to a bunch of of, of different countries um, and, and speaks a wider audience and I think that would help us as well from, from a sustainability perspective when we can actually do bigger things with more with more people so to me I'm, I'm, I'm having I have a strong vision and a strong passion to really start to look at things from an African perspective and you know, I think that's, that's, that's where the future lies it's, it's in Africa I mean we've got some of the most incredible minds here um, and, and each of the, our country, the countries within it have so many of their own stories and nuances and mm -hmm. lessons to learn let's learn lessons together and I think we're doing it together would make us a lot stronger. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really, really appreciate it. Cool.